411Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. I haven't heard a single person say that they have not been affected by the pandemic in any way. In fact, I think everyone has been affected in some way, to some degree, including the children. Just imagine what they've gone through, the changes they have had to make, the craziness it's been for them. And I wonder how they're adjusting. You know, they were seeing their friends and their teachers every day. And now for many of them, they have to interact with these people virtually through a laptop. So how's that working for them? Hello, everyone. This is the 411 Live, real people, real talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. Not only do I ponder how the children are adjusting to this, but I also think about the educators who teach them and the parents who are monitoring their progress. I have two special guests joining me today to talk about all of this. Kelly Connor, who is a Dallas public school teacher who once taught within the MPS school system, the Milwaukee Public Schools, and also Chantel Sane, who is the mother of four, three of which she's homeschooling and one is attending a virtual high school. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. I'm so glad you were able to join me to talk about this. You know, we've been in a virtual mode for months now. You know, the last few months of last school year and, of course, this school year. And um, a few people, I think, are doing virtual. So, Kelly, I think you are doing the hybrid, what we call hybrid, where mm. some kids, kids go to school part of the month or part of the month, part of the week, and then they're virtual the other part. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So we, we some kids can come, they don't have to. So they choose to opt into coming or they can stay online. So how has this uh, worked for you? Has it gotten easier? Actually, it hasn't. It was really difficult back in March when we went online. And everybody thought, well, now we have a few months under our belt. It'll be better when we come back this year. But it has been, it's been very difficult um, for both teachers and students alike. When we talk about the craziness, you know, when they, you know, the pandemic first came out and, you know, people kind of panicked a little bit and said, okay, no school. The beginning of that, how was that for you? It was hard. It was really difficult. Um, we couldn't see the students anymore. We still had to close out with grades. There were still um, TEKS, what we call here in Texas, that students had to learn. Uh, we didn't know if there was going to be testing, so we had to make sure that they were still learning. Uh, but we lost, we lost some of the kids through the cracks, just going to online. Students that had been coming every, every day. day. Very difficult for them when we went online. Where do you think those students went? Well, I don't know where they were at that time. Um, we do have some connective, you know, connectivity issues. I'm in the southern sector of Dallas, and we don't have as many cell towers as you would on the other side of town. So we did have some issues with connectivity. And then as the pandemic um, continued on, a lot of our students had to get jobs to help their families. Mm -hmm. So we lost some of the students that way. 
Oh, wow. And then there's that at home kind of thing, because with me, personal, on a given day, I could be on Zoom doing a mediation, and my husband could be down in the basement do, doing uh, the classroom, Google Classroom, and then my son is also doing Google Classroom, and we're all doing this at the same time. And sometimes I'm getting messages on my computer saying, internet unstable. You know, the connection is not always there. So the connectivity, that's, that has to be a problem. And you were saying in your area, it already is a problem before the pandemic, right? Yes, it was already a problem. Okay. So I think about the parents, and I'm going to bring you in here, Chantel. Thinking about the parents who, I mean, this is a shock for them, and I'm sure some of them were panicked. Okay, now my kid is not going to school. It will be home with me, and I'm supposed to help them do this Google Classroom or whatever you know platform they have. And I'm sure that um, there was a lot of angst about it, and I understand that you were getting a lot of phone calls, right? <laughs> A lot, yes. Well, <laughs> before we go into that, let's get the backstory because I mentioned that you homeschool, but mm -hmm. you have had the experience of that brick and mortar school, a child going there. So, what was the evolution of all of this for you? So, for me, I actually started out homeschooling my oldest, who is now 15, um, back in kindergarten. So, he did not attend a regular kindergarten brick and mortar school. Um, we then tried to, or I shouldn't say tried to, but I actually did transition him into a brick and mortar school for first grade. And for us, it just wasn't a good fit. There were areas, because I had homeschooled him, where he was excelling in and going, you know, to the next grade and beyond first grade level in certain areas. And then there were also areas where he still needed help. And within the classroom, when a teacher is trying to teach 20-something or more children, it's hard to give one-on-one -on -one attention to, to kids, obviously, for, for good reason, right? And so what I had found for my child, it just it wasn't a good fit and what I wanted out of his education. And so we completed the first grade um, school year and then took him out and began to virtually um, school him. And so we did a one-year virtual schooling. Um, with one of the academies here in, in Wisconsin. And I found that that too was not the best fit. And so for me, um, like many parents right now, you find that you are doing a lot of hands-on work because it's needed, um, especially when you have younger kids. And so they need that one-on-one -on -one and someone there with them just sitting in front of a screen is not enough to get them through their education. And so I found that that virtual schooling environment for a second grader just wasn't a good fit for our family. And so after that, and once you know, I had additional children as well coming in, um, it was just best for us to move to a complete homeschooling environment. And so that's what we decided to do. Um, so I had been, I've actually been homeschooling for now for 10 years. And um, once it got time, actually last school year, when my son was completing eighth grade, he was actually going to transition into a brick and mortar high school and go to a local school here. Well, 
because of the pandemic, that did not happen. And so we had many conversations around what that possibly would look like. Is this something that you would want to do? And we really leave it up to our, our high school, once they become a high school, to decide how they want to move forward with their education to try to give them some ownership around their education. And so we all came to the conclusion that we were going to virtual school, go back to a virtual schooling environment since most schools were going to be doing that anyway. And that's what we decided to do. So he is not in a brick and mortar school. He's not doing distance learning. He is actually doing virtual schooling. So my experience, you know, I chose my experience, right? Um, but a lot of parents were forced into the situation. So it's a little bit different, but I can absolutely relate to what the parents are going through at this time, which is very challenging. What are they asking you? Everything from, you know, what do I do with my kid to how do I make this a better environment for my child? Um, how do I structure? How do I supplement? And probably the biggest thing is how do I schedule my time when I still have to work? and school my kid at the same time. And so that is probably the biggest question that I get is just time management, to be quite honest. And you know, it all depends on the school that you have your child enrolled in. There are some schools that are working with the, with the parents and actually giving them options to school the child in the evening instead of during the day, which I have found that is actually really working for a lot of parents. But in some schools, that's not an option. And so the parents have to really figure out how to work, some going outside of the home, some you know being able to still be in the home and work. But when you're working, you're working. And so it's very difficult when you have a younger child and so just giving, you know, helping them to understand their options and being able to create the environments in the home and to um, our other guest's point, you know, making sure that there is the connectivity because that is internet problems are a problem in certain homes. They don't have the computers and a lot of computers were being given to the kids, but then, okay, what do we do about the internet? And so that was also a lot of um, issues when it came to um, virtual schooling. Um. Kelly, going back to you, when you had to go to the virtual and then the, the hybrid, when you're in a school setting, you know, Monday through Friday, you have students who are in the classroom, but you have students who are, you know, getting in the classroom through the computer, right? Yes. At the same time. How do you maneuver mm -hmm. that? It is really difficult, um, you know, to hear that we had to teach in the classroom and then virtual at the same time and figure out a way to make it happen. So the best way that we really could do it, or for me personally, was if the kids come to school and they're in the classroom, they are still going to be virtual because they can't, but you know, they have shields around them. They can't share any pencils, papers, books, anything. So they would have to use their computer anyway. So it's best if they just bring their computer and they log on Zoom and we're still virtual, even though they're in the classroom. So even with the hybrid model, it still takes that personal touch away and it still makes it very difficult to be able to work with the students that are in the class mm -hmm. and then the students that are at home virtually. So the kids who are in the class, they are, they look down, they can look down at their computer and look up at you as well because you're right in front of them, right? Yes, they, they can look up and they can look down. And then a lot of times we'll do group activities, but they're in groups with some of the kids that are at home and they're still on the computer. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That, that sounds complicated to me. I'm sure you're doing a fantastic job, but it sounds like a big challenge. Yes, it is. 
Now, yeah. you, when we were talking on the phone earlier, you were saying, and I was asking, you know, is there learning going on? And you were saying that you have two groups of students that you're working with, and it differs between those groups. Yes. It's so like I work in a collegiate, which um, they're the same students. They come from the same schools. But in our school, our students can earn up to an associate's degree by the time that they graduate from high school. So it's really an accelerated program. And it's in the same school as a comprehensive high school. So they're the same kids, they come from the same neighborhoods, but these kids get pushed a little bit differently than the kids that are at, on the comprehensive side. So the kids that are in the collegiate, we're kind of a small school within a school. So we know all of the students, we have their numbers, they text us constantly. So we have that connection. Whereas the students that are in the comprehensive side, we don't have that connection. And of course, the churn rate is a little bit different there where we have kids coming in and out throughout the school year. So it's been very difficult to find the students that are on the comprehensive side, because now I have some classes there because we've had to, um, you know, move some teachers around and we've lost some staff. So now I have classes on the other side of the school as well as in the collegiate. And it's been very difficult to find these students. I, and I'm still working on trying to find them. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we want to talk about uh, the, the learning process and relationships between students and teachers with this new normal. So we still have a lot to talk about. Stay with us. Going to school is a little different now. At school, Elmo wears his mask and stays apart from his friends. Uh, Elmo, huh? uh, today you're learning at home on the computer. You won't need your mask, son. I know, it's not the same, but you get to see them on video chat. Yeah, okay. Elmo's gonna take off his mask. <laughs> yeah, this year, some children are learning at home, and some at school, and others are doing both. And this learning transition can be tough on kids, but remember, when things get tough, take a slow, deep breath. It's gonna be okay. We want everyone to stay healthy and make sure our kids get a great education. Oh, come on, Daddy. It's time for school at home. Caring for each other because we are all in this together. And welcome back to the 411 Live. I am talking to an educator, Kelly Connor. She is a public school teacher in Dallas, but she uh, was a public school teacher in Milwaukee at one time. And I also have Chantelle Sane, and she is the mother of four, three, she's homeschooling, one who is attending a virtual high school. You know, I um, was thinking, when I was in school, there were some teachers, not all of them, but there were some teachers who really poured into me, poured into my life, gave me advice. They they were people that I could go to to talk about problems or, you know, talk about achievements or, or whatever. And they were just uh, part of that family to me. And um, I can think right now, as I'm this age, I can think of some of the advice that they gave me that I took, and it really benefited me. So I guess I'm talking about when you're in school, you form these it's not just the teacher who is teaching you the academics, giving you the lesson, but the relationship. And Kelly, I have an impression that you're one of those teachers that kids would gravitate to. So how are you dealing with this whole, um, the relationship part of all of this? 
Oh, I am one of those teachers. I have always believed that kids do not care about what you know until they know that you care. So I'm a big relationship builder. And just from my point of view, it has been so difficult because I can't build those relationships with the kids. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, some of the students I haven't seen, I don't know who they are, I know their voices, and I know their little quirks because we're in class. Mm -hmm. um, but just to, you know, be able to see them all the time, if I saw them walking in the hall, you know, they'd probably say, hey, Ms. Connor, and I'd be thinking, I don't know, you know, I don't know that student because I haven't been around them personally to know. So it's been very difficult for me because I always build relationships and building the relationships all, as a teacher, it helps you tremendously. You know, the kids want to do better because you have this relationship with them and you have high expectations for them. So yeah. for me, as that type of teacher, it, this has been devastating for me, honestly, because I can't build those relationships. And, you know, we do get to talk online, but it's just not the same as being in the classroom. And then we hear it from the students as well. I have students that have you know, Ms. Connor, this is just so overwhelming. I, I don't know how to keep up. And they're talking to us and telling us how overwhelming it is to be sitting in front of a computer all day. And they don't really get that personal or social, social touch, not only from their teachers, but their peers. You know, there's a lot of things that go on at school that help the students, whether it's, you know, being in activities, after school tutoring. You know, our kids stay after school. We have a dinner program and they're just, they love being at school. So I know this is very difficult for them as well. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. The other thing that um, really I worry about um, is, I don't know, I'm not sure how it is in Dallas, but in Wisconsin, the achievement gap between black and white students is really big. And I just wonder what is going to happen with this pandemic and going virtual and and we also have a situation with some of the school districts around here is you know they have phase one phase two phase three phase one all virtual phase two a hybrid phase three all in school so we have schools who have gone to phase three everybody's in school and then they have to pull back because the cases of the virus have gone up so now it's all virtual so we're doing that for two more weeks and as the numbers go down, okay, we're going to go back to school. It's going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm just wondering what is going to happen with that achievement gap because the kids who are not in school all the time and, you know, that relationship you were talking about with the teacher, whereas that teacher is not looking over at them and saying, you know what, you're looking at this magazine or whatever. You need to look at this. Come on. I, you know, I know you can do it. They're not getting that. So I'm wondering, is this gap going to get just bigger and wider? What do you, what do you guys think? I, I, I definitely agree. And I'm sure Kelly can attest to this, that to going back to those relationships, um, you know, I, I sympathize for the teachers, but at the same time, this is an opportunity for us as parents to really step in and be our, our kids cheerleader. We really have to step in. And one question that has been coming to me, 
you know, I, I don't want to be my kid's teacher. I want to be my kid's parent. And one thing I always tell people, you're not their teacher. You are a parent. But as a parent, this is your opportunity to actually create an environment where you and your, your child can come together and bond in a different way. And as parents, we really have to step up and step in. We cannot have the expectation that teachers are able to, you know, reach through the screen and be able to do some super amazing thing in this virtual setting. There's only so much a teacher can do in this virtual setting. And it's for parents to really step up. And I know sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. And I also understand that sometimes that it's just not possible because you don't have the time. But you have to find ways to make sure that your child is able to have success in their education. That is what is most important. And if they are overwhelmed if they are failing in subjects you've got to step in as the parent and so every child and every person learns differently and so as a parent it's up to us to really figure out what is that best way for them to learn and then supplement those pieces in as the parent again you got the teachers to to lean on and to be you have to be in good communication with those teachers with virtually but you've got to step in as the parent and do all that you can do to make sure that your that your child is able to succeed in this environment very good i guess uh, kelly are there things that you would like to see parents do there are, um, I, everything that Chantel said just really hits home. You know, there's an opportunity for parents to really help their students to achieve. But I also understand that there's limitations there as well because parents are working. And a lot of our parents, you know, I'm in a, a low socioeconomic school and a lot of our parents are working a lot of hours. So it's really difficult to um, put that time into your, to your child to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing online. And then as Chantel has several children, and I couldn't imagine being a parent with small children and trying to work and try to make sure that my, my kids are, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing online. So we, it's very difficult. I just know that it's difficult for parents. If you have small children, you have to worry about, you know, each one of them has a different teacher. Each one of them are doing different things. And then a lot of times, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher, the older students are expected to make it you know when they have younger siblings so then they don't get that support because the support really goes to the smaller kids which you know you have to have more hands-on with students that are elementary so I, I mean I totally agree with everything that she's saying and I, I just as a parent I, I'm glad that my children are out of school I wouldn't even know how to handle it as a parent yeah yeah Chantel I know that um these parents who are calling you and saying, hey, you've been doing this for a while. Give me some advice. But I know you do have some advice. And one of the things that she was uh, talking made me think about when we, the two of us, talked, you said parents need to, um, if they need help, they need to ask for help. And I, and I thought that was really good because some people are suffering in silence. Yes. And they don't have to. Yes, I think that so many times that people don't understand that just opening up your mouth and asking for help, it's not about your pride. It's not about you being superwoman or superman. It's not about you being super parent. You gotta ask for help where you need it. Just as Kelly was just talking about, you know, I do have four children, three of which are younger, as well as I homeschool, and then my high schooler who was more independent and is virtual schooling. 
But the reality is I still have a job that I have to report to. And I've been the entire 10 years of me homeschooling, I've had a job that I've had to report to, whether it was sometimes in my home or going out into, you know, going outside of my home to work. So the term homeschooling can sometimes be, you know, so people think that, oh, I'm just at home with my kids. That's not the, that's not the situation. So with that, you really have to look at what your options are and ask for the help that you need. So for me, there were many times where I had my mother-in-law come into my home to help me, my own mother come in to help me because I needed the help because I wasn't able to do both at the same time and also get creative with my schedule. And so you really have to understand what all of your options are. There are things out there that a lot of people don't know um, when it comes to their employers that will actually uh, give them time off, paid time off. And so that is absolutely something that you got to look into and talk to your employer about. And then you got to see what, who is within your circle of support. You know, there were um, a couple mothers, single mothers at that, that I spoke with. And I asked them, who have you asked to help you? And they were like, well, I, to be honest, I haven't asked anybody. I'm like, ask your family if they can help you a couple of days a week so you can have that relief that you need. And so they actually did and voila, there was the help. And it was just a matter of asking the question. And so you gotta step outside of yourself. This is a challenging time for everybody. And to some degree, it's uncomfortable to ask for help sometimes but everybody is going through this together. And so you just gotta step outside of yourself and ask for help so that your, your child can be successful in this time and you as a parent don't lose your mind. Right, right. <laughs> and that uh, paid leave that you were talking about, that 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 is available. Um, talk to your employers about Families First Coronavirus Response Act. That's the name of it. Because when you mentioned it to me, I looked it up. And you can get like 80 hours, you know, full pay. And yeah. uh, then it goes down to two-thirds pay, I think, after that. Yeah. But that is something that people should look into that people may not know about that's available. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, some employers are not as willing to let their employees know certain things. So you really got to do your investigation. You really got to have those conversations and find out what your options are. There are also a lot of different places. There's a couple Y's, a couple churches, at least within, in, within Milwaukee, that are allowing students to come in and just sit for the virtual learning experience. And so that's another option for some families. You may not be connected to a church, but you may know a Y or a Boys and Girls Club that will allow that for you that's within your community. So just look out for the help. You got to search, you got to look, because um, it's out there. And there's, there's definitely a way that you can get through this. It's not easy. It's not easy for anybody, but you, we can all get through this. Yeah. And I guess, Kelly, they could also reach out to the teacher of their child just to get some advice. Absolutely. And the teachers are more than willing to help because we know that it's difficult. And, you know, the, the school day may be from nine to four, but I mean, my school day, it just doesn't end until I go to sleep because you're constantly getting messages. So definitely reach out to the teachers. They are definitely willing to help. Very good. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, ladies. I really enjoyed this. I'm so glad that you were able to spend this time with us. My guests are Kelly Connor, Dallas educator and former MPS teacher, and Chantel Sane, who is homeschooling. She's a homeschooling mom, I call her, of four kids. Thank you guys for your insight, and we really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Sure thing. 
And thank you for joining us for another episode of the 411 Live. Here's a reminder, we are a nonprofit organization, so if you're so inclined to support us, we greatly appreciate it. Simply go to our website, the411live.org. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, real people, real talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.